Good afternoon, everyone. You are listening to WCCR 94.5 LPFM. We are coming at you live from Williamsburg, Kentucky, right here on the gorgeous University of the Cumberland's campus. Now, we are coming at you live from the Grace Crumb Rollins Center, and this is a brand new edition of The Foreigner and the Traveler. But today, unfortunately, it is kind of just the foreigner here. Um, the Traveler, which is DJ McKay, is actually at the business forum that's taking place here on campus. So everybody gets to listen to me for the next hour. So this is the show where we essentially go around the globe and we check out different cultures, we check out different food, and of course, different types of music. So today we are actually going to go all the way to Asia and we are going to narrow our focus into Eastern Asia, which consists of China, Japan, North and South Korea and Taiwan. So today we're going to talk about different type of cultural influences that Eastern Asia actually has on the rest of the world. I'm going to touch a little bit on um, different things such as the Harajuku girls as well as um, anime, which is one of my favorite things, especially growing up. Um, I was huge into drawing it, huge into watching it. I still watch it whenever I'm in the dorms. So I'm super excited to be able to talk about that on the radio. Then we are, of course, going to talk about the food. Now, it's not going to be the type of Chinese or Japanese food that you get from takeout. No, we're going to talk about the authentic, what exactly goes into a Chinese dish, what goes into a Japanese dish, what goes into the Korean dishes, and what goes into a Taiwan dish. Now, each one has its own specific influences that it has had over the world, and we are specifically going to talk about that in the terms of music, and that is going to be at the end of today's show. But first of all, of course, we got to hear some music. This is radio. We are going to start off with another one, Bites the Dust by Queen, and then we're going to hear some Daughtry. So here is another one, Bites the Dust. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to a brand new edition of The Foreigner and The Traveler right here on WCCR. More music, more variety, no commercials. So we just started off with another one, Bites the Dust by Queen and Daughtry, It's Not Over. So today on The Foreigner and The Traveler, well, technically only The Foreigner today, um, we are talking about Eastern Asian cultures. And it's actually pretty cool because I have, well, it's not technically firsthand experience, but I have experience dealing with people from this portion of the world. And it's really cool being here at Cumberland's because you get to meet so many different types of people. Um, I'm an international student. I'm from Canada, but I don't really classify myself as a straight up foreigner because I can literally just hop the border and I'm right there. And our cultures are actually very similar. But if you go to different portions of the world, such as Eastern Asia, it is completely 200% different. And that's actually one of the things I'm really excited to talk about today. Um, specifically, there are a couple of things that I want to talk about. But first, I want to explain how I have kind of firsthand experience. Um, my Auntie Debbie back home in Winnipeg, she is actually hosting two foreign exchange students. And one of them, his name is Kamei, and he is from South Korea. And the very first time I met him, it was a very interesting experience. And it was very a shocking experience for me. Um, we 
my uncle picked me up from the airport and we went and picked up Kamei. And we had to swing by my parents' house because I had to check on everything because they were away as well for a business conference. We swing by the house and I'm not even allowed to open up the door by myself. He has to do it or Kamei has to. And now I'm walking in and I'm carrying my bags and my purse and he grabbed everything for me. He would not even let me bring in my own purse. And I'm like, wow, like this is very different. This is not what I'm used to. I'm used to carrying in everything myself. And we get inside and I invite him upstairs and he's like, no, no, I don't want to come in. And I look at him. I'm like, why don't you want to come in? And he's like, because I'm wearing shoes. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Even though it's the middle of winter, we have towels. I'll clean it up quickly. He's like, no, no, I don't want to make any extra work for you. And I'm sitting there going, well, this is different. Like I'm used to people walking through the house and just grabbing the Swift route and kind of cleaning it up. Well, that was a huge culture shock. And then I stayed a couple nights over at my aunt's house before I left to come back here over Christmas break. And he was there and his ideals were more, I'm going to make sure all my chores are done. I'm going to make sure um, that my host family is happy and then I'll worry about myself. And what I learned about that a lot is just the type of system that they have there versus in Western culture. Western culture, it's very individualized. We kind of put the individual up on a pedestal and that's actually coming from a communication major. Um, but in Asian cultures, especially in Eastern Asian cultures, they tend to put the family on the pedestal. And that was a very different culture shock for me. Um, one of the biggest things that I noticed was Kamei always made sure that my uncle and my aunt were taken care of. And that put a huge um, ease in my mind because they live by themselves. Um, but it was really, really cool to see how Kamei really stepped up to the plate and really helped with that. But one of the other things was is he tends not to associate a lot with others outside of his culture because in their culture, it's very much you go to work, you do your chores, you make sure to bring honor to the family, and that's pretty much it. Well, my aunt also has a Brazilian staying with her, and that culture is very similar to Western culture in the form of it's more of an individualized. It's more laid back versus Eastern Asian, which is very, very strict. And that was, to me, one of the most amazing things that I saw. Um, he always made sure that I was ready to go. I always had everything. And it was, it was very different for me, but it was actually something that I very much appreciated. And I think I was able to take a lot away from it, especially um, coming back to a place that is Western culture. But even here in Kentucky, they tend to um, focus more on family versus the individual versus if you go further north in the country, it's very, very individualized. Like if you go to New York, it is straight up individual. It's how can you do the best for yourself versus in Asian cultures where it's very much it's for the family. So one of the other things that I promised that I would talk about is the Harajuku. Now, this is specifically Japanese. It is actually a district in Shibuya, Tokyo, Japan. And Harajuku is actually a Japanese youth uh, culture and fashion. And it's internationally known. Now, the big things that Harajuku is known for is its bright colors, 
Um, it's very youth-oriented, independent boutiques tend to have a lot of their stuff. And Harajuku is actually its own form of fashion. Now, if you go to Fashion Week in Japan, you are going to probably be dressed up as a Harajuku girl. And they tend to have the big hair, the big makeup, very, very vibrant colors. Um, you're going to wear the big skirts. You're going to wear the big jewelry, the big shoes. And it's pretty much a form of getting noticed, especially in a culture, culture where you tend not to want to stick out. Now, from this actually brings me into my next point, which is actually I want to talk about anime. Now, specifically for this cultural part, I'm going to talk about Japanese because that's what I'm familiar with. Um, anime is actually a term that is used to refer to Japanese animated productions. Now, a lot of these tend to feature hand-drawn or computer animation. I know growing up, one of the big things that I really fell in love with was manga, which is actually a hand-drawn version or a subdivision of anime. And I used to sit there and I used to draw everything. And one of the things that I really got back into, um, especially because I watched a couple of my friends and fellow debaters playing Magic, was Yu-Gi-Oh!, and that was a huge fad back when I was probably in between 6th and 12th grade was when I really started to get into it, when I really played it. I would play people at school. I would trade cards. But it really was one of my favorite things. And that was all a form of anime. And there was actually a television show called Yu-Gi-Oh! that has now have probably about three or four spinoffs of it, actually, that is specifically um, anime style, computer animation for the American audiences. Now, anime tends to have, it can have um, pretty much any type of theme, but it's known for its fantastical themes. It generally tends to be things that are based off of gods, goddesses, um, little power trips, um, but it's also known for its colorful graphics and it's very unique and defined characters. You tend to have the hero or the heroine, depending on which one you're watching. They tend to have some form of sidekicks. It generally is more than one. Um, and then you tend to have, of course, you have the villain and what they have to fix. But it's always done in a very fantastical way. Now, what I mean by that is I'm going to bring up Inuyasha, which is one of my absolute favorites. Um... One of my favorite animes growing up is where it was a human that was fused with a cat. Um, and that was Little Shippo. Um, and each one essentially has its own very specific backstory that goes towards um, the overall meaning of the show. And each character contributes in its own way to the show versus a lot of Western cultured um animations where you'll have random people that will walk through you'll get to meet them once and you'll never get to meet them again anime you tend to see a recurring of characters and each character is going to be explained from another character as well as it's going to be explained through their actions and anime is definitely something that i definitely grew up with it still is one of my favorite things to watch um, I know a lot of different people that tend to watch different types of shows. There's a lot of websites out there that you can get anime off of. I know Netflix has its own anime section. I know Hulu does. But there really is an anime out there for any type of person. So I would highly recommend it because if you've never experienced an anime, I would highly recommend watching a season of it. 
if you just watch the first two or three episodes, you're not really going to get into it. Um, one of my favorite ones growing up was Sailor Moon. And Sailor Moon was one that was created for both a Japanese and an American audience. And there were actually two different versions created for it because the cultures are so different. And growing up, essentially, I would say I wanted to be Sailor Jupiter. Um, and her name was Ray, or Reina. And I dressed up in the costume. I did my hair that way. And then... I went for her as Halloween one year and one of my friends turns around to me and says, well, what are you supposed to be? I'm like, well, I'm from Sailor Moon. Thank you. And she just kind of looks at me and she's like, I don't even know what that is. And I'm like, wow. Like, I guess it really depended on what type of a person you were growing up. I was very much into the anime, into the manga, um, because the people that I tended to hang out with was very much into that. And some of my other friends who were more sports fanatics and tended to watch more like the Nickelodeon and the Treehouse, even at that point, um, had no idea what anime was. So I would highly recommend it. Now, there is a word of caution. There can be strong um, content in it. So if you are a parent, I would highly recommend screening it before letting your child watch it um, because there are adult animes out there. Um that may not be appropriate for a child. Um, and with this, I'm going to segue into some more music. Um, we're going to listen to some Green Day and some Cher. And when we come back, I'm super excited. It's my favorite portion of the show. Um, we're going to talk about Eastern Asian food. So I really hope everybody's hungry because I know I am. And I'm super excited to talk about it. So here is Green Day with She's a Rebel. And then afterwards, we're going to hear some Cher. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to a brand new edition of The Foreigner and The Traveler here on WCCR. We just heard some Green Day's She's a Rebel. And Cher, we just heard the Shoop Shoop song. So today we are traveling across quite a bit. We have been talking about Eastern Asian culture. And now it's time to talk about Eastern Asian food. Yay! Um, this would usually be the part where Annabeth is like, oh, my word, she is so excited. Um, but I really hope Annabeth is enjoying her business forum today. Um, so we're going to get right into it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the four major um, types of cuisine. So that is Chinese, Japanese, um, Korean, South and North. And then we're going to get into some Taiwanese cuisine a little bit later. Um, so first of all, I want to talk about um, Chinese cuisine. Now, traditional Chinese cuisine is not essentially what you get when you go to a Chinese buffet. Um, it is very, very, very different. Um, one of my favorite things about Chinese specifically is the amount of different types of cuisines that actually go into it. So Chinese cuisine actually includes Anua, Cantonese, Fujin, Hunan, Jingatsu, Shindog, Sichuan and Zhejiang. Now, what exactly do all those mean? Well, each one is a specific type of the way that you cook your food. Um, I'll give you a perfect example, which is Sichuan. Sichuan, generally, you have a scalding hot wok, and 
you tend to throw in your vegetables, you throw in your stock, you throw in a little bit of oil, and you throw in your meat, and it cooks within five minutes because of how scorching hot the wok actually is. Now, if you go to a traditional Chinese cuisine house, you can essentially order that. Now, the other main difference between these is all the different types of factors that go into it for the available resources, climate, and geography. Because different parts of China has different types of geography, as we all know. Um, one of the basic cooking techniques for this is food preservation. Now, because of how many people are actually in China, um, they tend to use every single portion of whatever they are cooking. And this is where food preservation really comes in. Because if you tend to have leftover fish or you know that you're going to have leftover um, meat or even vegetables, you can use different types of food preservation, such as drying, salting, pickling, and fermentation. Now, I want to talk a little bit about fermentation because there's something specific that comes out of this. And it is very particular to the Asian culture. And that is something called kimchi. Kimchi is actually something that I'm kind of a really big fan of, but it tends to have a lot of spice. Um, kimchi is essentially cabbage that is pickled and fermented all at the same time. Now, kimchi tends to have different types of root vegetables and specifically cabbage. Now, people can add in celery root, people can add in carrots, but the cabbage is the main ingredient. And they tend to have a pickling tomato-based sauce that goes with it. Now, with this sauce, you can add in as many herbs as you want. You can add in any spices, but those are the main things. And it's really the process that creates the fermentation versus what it is, such as salting or pickling. So one of the ways that I understand of making kimchi is I'm going to talk about it in the form of the glass containers. There are different ways to make kimchi, but this is the way that I understand. And this is actually one of the processes or ways that I've seen this process done. Um, the way is, is you take cabbage and you rub it with the tomato sauce that you have made or a tomato paste and you tend to layer it layer by layer by layer in a huge uh, mason jar essentially and then what you do is you have to seal it off where there's no air involved and once it's sealed you actually boil the kimchi container for about seven to eight hours so you get rid of every single type of bacteria that is in there and then you essentially can keep it safe for a long time now there are more steps to this and if you would actually like to try kimchi i would highly recommend going to either like a world market or even a chinese section of one of the cities that you live in um, i know lexington has and i know knoxville has as well now a couple of the other things that this is huge for or that is huge with Chinese cuisine, is essentially what they tend to eat a lot of. And they tend to eat a lot of fish. They tend to eat a lot of wild herbs. And they tend to eat a lot of rice. And one of the reasons a lot of people tend to eat a lot of rice is it's very sustainable. And rice is actually found all over Asia. And a lot of rice farms are, um, that's 
the place where we tend to get here in Western culture a lot of our rice. So it's very prominent over there, and it's actually very easy to find, and it's very easy to store. It's not something that needs to be fermented or salted or pickled because you can essentially cook the rice in boiling water, and whatever you don't use, you just don't boil. So now I want to go on to Japanese cuisine. Now, Japanese is known for its emphasis on seasonality of food. Um, there is tends to be more known as Koyodo Royo. Um, I really hope I said that correctly. Um, they tend to use a lot of dishes prepared using local ingredients and traditional recipes. Now, this is where sushi and sashimi come into a lot. And a lot of people ask, well, what is the difference between sushi and sashimi? Well, sushi tends to be the type of nori and the way that it's presented. And sashimi tends to have the fish on the outside versus on the inside. And it tends not to have nori. And nori is pretty much just Japanese seaweed. Um, personally, I prefer sushi because with sushi, you can get tempura or cooked sushi. I'm not the biggest fan of anything raw. And Annabeth, if she was here, she would be giving me the face of, yes, you definitely will not touch anything raw um, or even something that is slightly undercooked. Um, and this is actually a really cool thing because it is an island nation and Japan tends to focus a lot on the local ingredients. And one of the things that they tend to have a huge abundance for is fish. And they have all different types of fish. They have salmon, they have white fish, they have monkfish. And they also have Japanese puffer fish, which is actually a huge delicacy, but it is very, very dangerous. I know I talked about it a couple weeks ago on my other show, and I'm actually going to be talking about a little bit more about dangerous foods tomorrow. So that's a little bit of a sneak peek at 10 o'clock here on WCCR. And just like in um, Chinese... There's different types of regional foods as well. So it really depends on what part of Japan you are in will depend on what kind of dish you get. Now, the last one that I want to talk about is that of Korean. Now, Korean cuisine is actually split into North Korean and South Korean, such as everything else. Now, Korean cuisine is largely based upon rice, vegetables, and meat. So it pretty much sounds pretty similar to something here in the United States, right? Well, actually, it's very different. Traditional Korean meals are noted for the number of side dishes that accompany steamed cooked short grain rice. Now, this is where kimchi comes into a lot as well, because kimchi is often served sometimes at every meal. And there are a lot of very common ingredients such as sesame oil, donjang, which is fermented bean paste, um, soy sauce, salt, garlic, lots of ginger, lots of pepper flakes, and something called gochujang, which is essentially fermented red chili paste. And that was one of the things that I was talking about when I referred to the tomato paste, because here in the States, we essentially would not think of a fermented red chili paste. Now, Korean regional cuisine um, literally has native local foods. That is essentially what it's called. And it's char characterized by local specialties and distinctive styles within Korean cuisine. Now, one of the things that I'm really excited to talk about is Korean barbecue. 
Korean barbecue is one of my absolute favorite things in the entire world. And it refers to the Korean method of grilling. And essentially the things that they would grill is beef, pork, or chicken, or any other type of meat. Now, these are often prepared at the dinner's table on a gas or charcoal grill that has been built into the center of the table itself. So it's essentially, if you think of fondue, you can think of fondue, but Korean barbecue style. Um, you get everything made right in front of you. You're cooking it with your family. It's not just, say, the mother or the father outside cooking and everybody else is inside waiting because they're hungry. No, everybody is gathered around the table, is preparing for this, and gets to cook everything themselves. And a lot of these tend to be... Um, these... Uh, these meats specifically tend to be spiced and derived from chili peppers, which is why kimchi is such a huge staple here in Korean cuisine. So now I'm going to play a little bit of music. Um, we're going to hear some ACDC. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that Taiwanese cuisine. And of course, which would be Annabeth's specialty, we're going to talk about some of their music. But here is first some ACDC with TNT. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of ACDC TNT. I know I did. We, as I said, we just heard ACDC. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Taiwanese cuisine, and then we're going to do the WCCR Community Bulletin Board. We're going to hear a PSA. We're going to do that five-day forecast. I got a little bit of that shout-out board. And then, of course, we're going to hear a little bit more music and then talk about the music of um, Eastern Asian cultures. But first of all, of course, we've got to talk about Taiwanese cuisine. So Taiwanese cuisine actually tends to have um, more of a hoko ethnicity. And that tends to be more of the Aboriginal or Hakka and local derivatives of Chinese cuisine, such as beef noodle soup. Um, Taiwanese, cu Taiwanese cuisine itself is often associated with influences from mid to southern provinces of mainland China and most notably from the province of Fujian. Now, specifically with this, they tend to focus on pork, seafood, chicken, rice, and soy. Now, beef is far less common and some Taiwanese um, still refrain from eating it, especially in the um, elderly generations due to cultural beliefs. Now, this is also because there are a lot of Taiwanese Buddhists, which is a traditional reluctance towards slaughtering precious cattle needed for agriculture. Now, one of the other things that they tend to have a lot of is broth or dashi. Now, specifically with this, they tend to have a lot of, they'll have the broth and then they'll have um, bean sprouts. They'll have their fish and their rice and their chicken all in it and then eat it more like a soup and more like a broth soup versus just a broth. Now, one of the other things that I want to talk about specifically is every single one of these cultures that I've just talked about that make up the Eastern Asian cuisine um, 
all has something very specific in common that I have not mentioned yet. And that is of tea. Now, tea is very, very precious in all forms of Asian culture. And tea can essentially, they tend to have tea as its own portion of the meal. They will have tea time for a time of relaxing and being with your family. The females tend to serve the males the tea. And tea is just a very special time for um, Asians. I know back with Kamei, he will have tea time, especially. Um, And I know that that's uh, prevalent in other cultures, but it's something very, very special to people, um, especially in the Eastern Asian cultures. And tea is actually something that is very easy to access um, or to access, should I say. Because everything tends to be dried out. And remember at the beginning when I talked about the drying, pickling, salting, and fermenting, um, tea is essentially dried herbs that are created. And it's not the tea that you think of from the tea bags here in Western culture. They tend to use loose leaf tea, which is a lot more potent, which means you don't need a lot of it. So now we're going to go into that WCCR community bulletin board. We're going to listen to a public service announcement, and we are going to hear that five-day forecast. WCCR, your campus and community radio station, is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and around the world via the World Wide Web. To listen to WCCR online, simply go to www.ucumberlands.edu slash WCCR and click on the Listen Live link at the top of the page. You can listen to WCCR on the go anywhere, anytime. WCCR is now available for your iPhone and iPod. To download the free app, search Cumberlands on your iPhone app store. So now we are going to hear a public service announcement and then that five-day forecast. Hey, Dad. Yeah? You remember that ball game we went to a couple years ago? Sure. And how you didn't have enough cash for two hot dogs, so you walked with me on your shoulders until we found an ATM? And then when we got back to our seats, we never saw the hot dog guy again. Well, I don't remember all that. Yeah, that was an awesome game. You never know which moments will be the ones they'll remember forever. So take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one 877 4dad or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now it is time for your five-day forecast. So today, Wednesday, April 15th, there is a 90% chance of a thunderstorm with a high of 70 Tomorrow, it is likely showers with a high of 70 with 60% chance of precipitation. Friday, again, chance of thunderstorm, but that's only 40% with a high of 71 degrees. Saturday, again, thunderstorms. Everybody, we got to get our umbrellas out this week because it's supposed to be a high of 71, but with a 50% chance of a thunderstorm. And Sunday, Again, another thunderstorm, high of 71, with a 60% chance on Sunday. So now I do have a couple shout-outs that I want to give out. And then we're going to hear some music. And then, of course, we got to finish off with talking about Asian music. 
So the first shout-out that I have goes to the UC men's golf team who competed at Brickyard. Though they did not place the way that they wanted to, um, I am personally still very proud of every single one of you for going out there. And every single one of those freshmen that went out there, they're learning to compete, and they are learning the process, essentially. Um, something that a lot of the seniors and juniors tend to talk about here on the golf team because it really is a process and it's a journey. And it's the same way for any freshman coming into any type of team. It is a process. It is a journey. And you got to learn from what you've done and then figure out how to move forward. And I know that this team will go out there. They'll learn from Brickyard. And they'll go out there and absolutely kill it at conference. So a huge good luck goes out to the men's golf team at conference, which is actually this week coming up. Another team that is traveling to their conference is also the women's golf team. We've been preparing for the past mm, probably about week and a bit um, for this. But unfortunately, my co-host is not here. Um, so I get to praise her and she's not even here um annabeth mckay won her first um college golf tournament this past week um over in at indiana wesleyan's tournament so a huge 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 congratulations goes out to her i know that she has worked her butt off to get to this point and i know that she will just continue to climb um, I also got to give a shout out to both Rachel Pingleton and Caitlin Riley for also placing. Rachel placed second in the tournament and Caitlin finished tied for third. And I got to give a huge shout out to the UC women's golf team as a whole because we took our victory at Indiana Wesleyan in the tournament that we just competed at. And we really did. We went out there as a team and we competed as a team. And it's really cool to take that momentum going into conference. So I also got to give a shout out to everybody who is at Business Forum today, um, which is where my co-host is right now. Um, I also got to give a shout out to everybody who is an avid listener. I know we have a couple people here on campus. Um, I know Jeremiah Massingale is one of them. I know Keith Semmel is one of them. So I do want to say thank you very much for being listeners. Um, now we are going to go into some Nirvana. I got some smells like team spirit. And when we come back, we are going to talk about Asian music. So here is Nirvana. Welcome back, everybody. I do hope everybody enjoyed that Nirvana song, Smells Like Teen Spirit. So speaking about music... Um, I want to go over the top 20 um, on the pop charts right now, actually in China, because I found something very interesting that actually the top ones are actually not Asian, which kind of shocked me because I was expecting them to be more into their own culture. Well, actually... Number one and number two, number three may shock some people like it shocked myself. Number one right now is Party in the USA. We Are the People is number two. And She-Wolf by Shakira is number three. So I found that very, very, very interesting. So that is it for today. Um, I know Annabeth is usually the port 
or usually the person that takes over this part. So hopefully next week she'll be able to get to touch a little bit more on the music side. Um, but of course, we have to finish off with some of my favorite songs. We're going to finish off with some Bon Jovi. We're going to hear Prayer 94. Now, I do want to thank everybody for listening. I do hope everybody enjoyed learning about a little bit of Eastern Asian culture. Um, and this, um, we are going to finish off, as I said, with some Bon Jovi. But after us, we hear some WCCR favorites from 1 until 2 o'clock. 2 to 3 is Fuel for the Soul with Keith DeVoe and LD Fielder. 3 to 4 is the Prague Hour with J.P. Kirby. 4 to 5 is WCCR Favorites, and 5 to 7 is Strictly the 60s with Keith Semmel. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can tune in to my other show tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We are going to be talking about some dangerous foods out there, so I am super excited for that. I know I haven't been able to do that show for a couple of weeks because we have been traveling so much with golf. Um, especially since spring break happened. Um, I do want to wish everybody good luck on getting ready for the summer, getting ready for um, getting ready for exams, getting ready to wind down. And I want to just do a special message out there for everybody who is graduating. I cannot believe that we are almost finished and we do have one final push. So everybody just try and stay focused and we'll get through it together. So here is Bon Jovi. We have some Prayer 94. Thanks everybody for listening and I will talk to you guys tomorrow at 10. Here is Bon Jovi.